right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. And tonight we are doing our annual breeding episode, breeding pythons, breeding carpets. I don't know what else to say. What else is here? What are doing things? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do this episode every year. We hope that uh, I can bring some new info every year. From people, people ask every year. They're like, "What? What about breeding?" It's like, "Well, guys, come on. There's like ten years worth of breeding episodes plus." We ask every breeder that we have on about, all right, you know what, fine. We'll do another breeding episode. So, yeah, it's yes. here we are again. Yeah. So uh, this one, uh, we'll, we're going to go through, um, I guess, if you would say, step by step uh, from beginning to end, things you want to think about, my experiences, Owen's experiences, and how that all sort of. What to uh, avoid, can... what not to panic on. Yeah. to panic on yeah yeah because it's it can be very intimidating that first year or second year of breeding and you know you think everything is going to go so smoothly Listen, and- the most dangerous and most stressful thing you could possibly do to your pet pythons is attempt to breed them also the most stressful thing to do to you <laughs> is to breed your pet pythons so yeah. and that, that's, that's something a good point. We- Right. And that's something you need to come to terms with. Like, you know, I, I've lost animals, you've lost animals, you yes. know, and that will happen if you're breeding. So you need to be prepared for that. And if you have an animal that you could, couldn't could possibly ever think about losing, maybe don't breed. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Or you should be very aware of what could go What could happen. And, yeah. Um, be willing to roll the dice. It's not all doom and gloom. I don't want to make it seem that like is, that. It but... is all doom and gloom. Whatever Eric says from this point forward, he's lying. Yeah. It's all horrible. Horribleness. But however, and then somehow we get babies. Like it's horrible. See that but, yeah. That, that that's a good point that Owen brought up that uh yes, we babies. probably haven't brought up before is the mm. fact of how stressful it is on the animal. Yes. That's, that's a very, very good point. Um you need to like because let's put it this way breeding season officially started october 1st for me okay and i haven't done anything but today i finalized who will be going because i was looking at all the girls this weekend and deciding who's going who's not going who put on weight from last year who didn't grow enough for me to try who had a rough year last year and it's going to take this year off like that that's that's step one yeah of the whole thing yeah Yeah. so <clears throat> but uh we'll get into that uh yes. anything else going on with you uh no no well i mean i've i've upgraded my office space <laughs> oh yeah you can, you can now <laughs> see i have fun things here i see and, this and and other things and if oh. i move my microphone uh, there's the mpr award that oh, we got okay. in 2016 yeah okay <laughs> nice and then uh over here you can't see it but it's over there there's a cage over there. The rough scale cage. Yes. Ah, <laughs> so, of course. So the female's going there when she arrives on Tuesday. And then after quarantine, there will be another cage over there. And okay. that's will be my adult male. And they will be up here with me. So very cool. Very cool. Yes. That will uh see the roughies get special treatment at the Mac. God damn right they do. <laughs> God uh, damn right they do. Of course, it does foul up where I do my quarantine now because I can't do it in here anymore. That's it. No so, more snakes. No more snakes. Can't <laughs> snakes, do it. No more. Yep. 
Yeah, I don't have a whole lot going on either. Uh, I was just going to make sure that at the beginning I give a, uh, a, a shout out to uh, the last Reptile Fight Club. Um, it's a topic that's near and dear to NPR, which we've talked about many times on the show. Yep. Uh, the endless debate of carpet python taxonomy. And I think that, uh, you know, so they had Scott Iper on and basically Justin and Scott debated um, the legitimacy of, uh, or I shouldn't say the legitimate, well, yeah, the legitimacy of some of the different subspecies, um, you know, Scott seems right. to fall into the line of, uh, of races, uh, as far as, uh, carpet pythons go. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Justin being one of the co-authors of the complete carpet python, um, uh, has been, uh, pretty, uh, deep into this subject. And, the, the sucky thing about the only sucky thing about the show that I mm-hmm. would say is the fact that they did it. They'll have to do a regroup after the book comes out because I right. felt like Justin was sort of holding back a little bit because he didn't want to didn't want to <laughs> say what he yeah. said in the book. I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. And, and he sort of he didn't he didn't tell us the deep, dark secrets of what's going on. Oh, he told me everything in Arizona. I know it yeah. all. I have a copy <laughs> of the book. Right. It's back there. Oh yeah, there you go. I, just, I was just told he said under penalty of death, do not show this to Burke. And I said, yeah. yes, sir. So. But uh, I know that he was sharing some ideas when we were out in Texas. Yep, same that, thing with Arizona. We, yep. we 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 had we had like a practice run of this debate that okay. was yeah yeah. Okay. So fair enough. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure that Justin has and 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 I mentioned that to Scott and Scott mm. said that there was some stuff that. He can't quite talk about yet either. So it kind right. of makes some of the so they had to talk about what it currently is thought. And uh it was it was a really great discussion. Mm-hmm. Um and uh apparently there was a paper, so there was the Taylor thesis that sort of started the whole um, you know, where a lot of the complete carpet pythons, uh, the first volume where they mm-hmm. got a lot of their taxonomy and stuff, but like with Imbricata being a full species, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and and there there was another paper that came out, and I can't remember whose name it was, um, that did this paper, but basically what they were trying to do, from what I was understanding, is is that if they can identify um a carpet python. Um, by by like say the the species they could identify the origin of that carpet python therefore you know because carpet pythons can still be exported and imported out of Papua New Guinea right legally right however you could say that something from Australia is from you know what I'm saying so it, right, I guess right, it's right, to right. sort of define those lines a little more however right um yeah, it's a great discussion. If you haven't checked it out, Reptile Fight Club, Carpet Python Taxonomy with Scott Iper. Um, Reptile Fight Club, a, a, a podcast of the NPR Network. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. I've listened to yes. it twice. Uh, I went back. I took some notes, um, and uh, I got some questions. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, there, was a, there was a couple of things that they were talking about, and I, did you – so. I guess when I think of the Kimberly, I immediately mm. think of a rough scale python. Yes. And I think of a Kimberly rock monitor. Yes. Of- Those are the only two animals out there. There's nothing <laughs> else that could possibly be in the Kimberly. Well, anything that's worth, uh, you know, no, no, nothing no, else no, is no, worth no. it. No, no, there's nothing there. <laughs> nope. Everything else uh, is crap. Yes. 
Go but, on. Uh, there's some carpet pythons there, I guess, I suppose, which I guess makes sense. But um, I, I sort of got the feeling that there was something different about these carpet pythons. And uh, they're wondering where they fit into the box. Um, so yeah. another interesting little tidbit, and then I'll let you listen. Everybody can go listen to it, was that it was shown on this recent paper that diamond pythons are a sister species with Morelia bredley, which is interesting. Very interesting. Yes. How <laughs> far how far removed are, like, geographically, diamonds from bredley? Oh, God. I have no idea, but that's Lots, quite a lot assume. of space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's inland carpets in between the two. So, uh, and are inland carpets considered a sister species of Morelia Bradley? No. No. So, yes. How do, yes. How do we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait. How, yes. I don't. Exactly. So, <laughs> did, 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 did the Elands come in and split this well, species in half and then one became diamonds and one became Bradley? I don't know. I, I, this is what fascinates and me. And why, why didn't Elands get involved in this? This is what fascinates me about this topic. Um, I think, I think, I think I, I kind of agree with Justin that, you know, he was sort of along the lines of saying that he kind of believes and it's just his his hypothesis that diamond pythons are probably a little bit different than the rest of the. So if they're his his his, I hope I'm getting this right. Um, right. But his line of thinking is is that if Morelia bredley is a full species, and Morelia spilota is a sister species, uh-huh. then wouldn't it make sense that Morelia spilota is different than Morelia? Spilota McDowell, Shaney, Shaney, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the thinking is, is that you would immediately think that because of the integrate zone between diamonds and coastals, that you would get more of a, a, a more genetic. Um, what's uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Variation? No, no, no. Uh, or they mutation? would be more closely related okay, to yeah, yeah. coastal carpets mm-hmm. than to Bradley. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know, just it just fascinates me. But anyway, like I said, it's worth checking out. Um, and and they get into the weeds to it. And they, they you know, you got, I mean, you, you got two of the greatest minds in carpet pythons going back and debating. Forth. I mean, come on now, I it's, mean, it's just it's just it's just podcast. I, I love how it's like you want to sit there and you're like. Like, you know, you're seeing all the commercials for the MSC fight like this on pay-per-view. <laughs> These two and like, you know, like it's almost like really a fight club. You're like, I'd order that. I'd yeah. watch it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was it was very good. So I, I give them both. And, you know, I, it's it's hard to it just raises more questions. To yeah. Me, you know, yeah. So. that's the issue is that we answer one and then gain 10 more yeah. new ones. And we're like, God damn it. Yeah. So, but uh, that's all I got. So I think we should just get into it. Let's do uh, it. Let's jump into breeding of okay. carpet pythons. So before we go into breeding, we want to talk about some of the, yeah, I know, right? I'm all animated. Like people yeah. can see me. <laughs> Let's uh, go into breeding, kids. Listen, man. Come it's the only, it's, like, it's, wait, the only it's the only thing keeping me alive at this listen, point. Listen, I got to either I got to go full bore or I'm going to die. <laughs> what? All right. Go for it then. I'm, I'm on fumes. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, Do you see the carpet python, kids? Shout it <laughs> out when you see it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, 
So I think I think before you breed, I think there's some things you should think about. And the Dear. first question I would ask is, why are you breeding? <laughs> uh, there's so many ways to answer that question. It's like, you know, to to achieve a certain morph, shits and giggles. Like it's like, yeah, uh, some of them good, some of them very very bad. Because I want to, because I think I have the greatest pair of carpet pythons around. Because you know, on and on and on and on of many reasons. Isn't that why. what you do when you have reptiles? <laughs> yeah. So there's there's multiple, so, but yeah, definitely ask that question first and foremost, because you know. It, it, it sometimes you might not have to breed it. Like sometimes, yeah, you might not even need to toss them together. If you have babies left over from last year, seriously consider if you're going to do the same pairing again. Like it is, yeah, yeah. So I think you're probably more in connection with this because yes. than me. But like, what? Like currently, it seems that the reptile market is kind of on fire. Yeah, let's put it this way. Normally, I would have, I don't know, 10, 20 kids going into this season. Yeah. So the point where I would wheedle them down to, you know, I'd have maybe five or 10 babies from last year left over. Um, and then there was always be that one or two kicking around that I could never get rid of. I, I'm down to not including olives because they're on their own little separate thingy over here right i think i'm down to 12 carpet pythons left over wow from this year um and then i have nothing left over from last year and then i have one female bread lie 100 head stone wash left over from two years ago and that's it out of kids and then of course the eight olive pythons that i have so right. th this year shit has been popping off so i not only was able to sell animals, you know, slowly myself, but I, I had uh, regular reptile people, like dealers, stuff of that, knocking down my door trying to get just wholesale carpets just to have stuff on their tables. So, hmm. uh, yeah, definitely popping off. But that being said, I do still have kids left over from animals that I could potentially pair this year. So why do that? when I already have like 10 kids from this pair left over. So right. Right. I don't need to, right. you know, why, why it, it's okay. I, that was my biggest <laughs> mistake when I was younger is like, well, I have 15 caramel Jags time to make more caramel Jags. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, why would you do that? So, yeah. yeah. I, I think the thinking is, is that at least for me, it was always mm -hmm. that, you know, there's going to be more and more people coming into the hobby. I think that the, right. Uh, the lockdowns or COVID or the lack of being able to travel, whatever you want to chalk it up to, I think pushed people to the internet. I mm. think it pushed people to do things that they've um, often wanted to do, but maybe they didn't have the time to do, which led to research of, uh, you know, keeping uh, a pet. And, you know, you would think that with everybody not working and all this stuff that, people would not be doing that because if you look back at 2008 when the crash was it right. was the reptile market was sort of like oh well people which well i don't know man i mean i think things sold then too it's kind of things will always sell but let's put it this way if you were going to have a vacation or do this or do that and all that shit got canceled you had right. a little extra money 
you had a right. little extra time, you were stuck at home. Right. Something you've always been thinking about getting, yeah, you've always been thinking about getting this. I'll get it now, or I'll try right. it, or I'll expand this, or, and that's just how it goes. So yeah. that's continuing. And, and it seems to be continuing for a little bit longer than I expected, but it, you know, don't ever expect to sell everything that you're going to produce. Like that is something yeah. you should kind of get in your head as well is that when you're trying for, especially if like a morph project, you're going to get two or three animals on a good year that are what you want. And then the rest are going to be a variation of mixes or matches or normals yeah. or that. So be ready for those kinds of things and, and definitely take that into account when you're planning a breeding project or bre your breeding season. Yeah. I think the thing that I didn't necessarily think about when I was going into breeding, mm -hmm. when I was just starting anew was how I was going to sell the offspring, not, <laughs> not, not meaning like, actually selling them but how right. i was gonna do it was i gonna do it with a website was i gonna a do show. it at a show yep. or classifieds or yep. you know um i mean if you're new to breeding it's really hard to go by word of mouth right mm. unless you're like you know really good at promoting also, yourself but you really can't trust that either because you 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 put up pictures of mom with the eggs and there'll be 10 or 12 people saying, oh, man, I will totally buy one when they're ready. And then when they're ready, yes. months later, you yes. contact these people and they either found somebody who had some available immediately. Yes. Or they'll never respond to you. And they just they, they read your message because you see that they read it. And then they just never respond because they either they change their mind. Money situations are different. Personal situations are different. Whatever. It's like you cannot bet on those people coming back to buy when they're ready. Some do, but that's another thing as well. Yeah. I think, um, I think that a lot of times, um, people, you know, they'll, they'll mm. sort of, they'll, they'll put a pair together and they're not thinking about that part of it. And when it comes to that, so it's, it's sort of like, you'll hear a lot of times, like you'll hear reptile people say things like, man, this person is really into animals. But man, they suck as a business person, <laughs> you know. And yeah, and that I think, happens more often than not. I think that selling just because you love or are passionate about the animals doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to have this like perfect mm -hmm. road to sell stuff on. You know, I think. Uh, well, when I first met Owen, he had a terms and conditions on his website. Still do. Uh, <laughs> yep, yeah, me too. And that's why I pretty much copied yours. But, you know, you have to think about things like that. You're going to be selling animals, live animals to people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that you're going to be shipping all over the U.S. or, uh, you know, at taking it to a show or whatever the case would be. Sometimes things go wrong. What's going to be your contingency plan if something does go wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And your reputation is a based off of this stuff. So, like, if you give good customer service or you go out of your way to take care of them or you have some kind of special thing you do that separates you from the rest of the people, um, some people might call that a gimmick. Some people might just say that that's, you know, whatever is your stock, you know, it just like mm -hmm. whatever it is that you do, uh, you know, like for instance, I just got these uh, uh, Australian back, back barking geckos from April and mm -hmm. she, had, she had sent um, a, a card on there with some, some notes on like things to do. Nice. And it was on a, it was on like a postcard but on the front of it, it was a blood python and it said, you know, um, 
you know, what is it? Blood by Design is her thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, like like, 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 like yeah. little little ideas like that on how you can mm-hmm. add this little personal touch um, to your customer. Because I would say to me, my personal opinion is that a website is key if you want to kind of do this even semi-professional. Right. right, it is. Because if you're relying on Facebook or Instagram or social media or YouTube, they can just shut that shit down at any yeah, moment. Yeah, they can, they can change their terms and say no animal sales and then Correct. just close that immediately. Right. Like I've stopped actually listing a lot of the animals that I have for sale on the Facebook page. Right. I just post up that, hey, go to right the website because I don't want them to take it down. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. And I think, I think another thing, the, the, the other point that I'll bring up is, um, I think that people should do a better job at, at marketing their animals. There are certain right. people that I think that come to mind or certain things that come to mind that make me think of this. And like instantly people in, in that Morelia world will know, uh, you know, Condro people are great at this, right? The yes. sickness, Mr. Blue. Give it a name. Uh, yep. The cure, the, you know, all these like play, play off of, uh, of, of, of names and like you, you, you know, you'll always see Bill Stiegel posting up, you know, the sickness or some offspring of the sickness mm-hmm. and people automatically know who that is, but that hypes people up to want animals from that lineage. Right. Right. Um, that's, that's the thing is that, you know, it, that's what horses and dogs, sure. lions and everything, like, that's yeah. what they do. The whole point of that. So it's not that far of a stretch and we do it too. Yeah. Like Madame Blueberry and Benjamin and Sylvester and all those other named animals. The problem is, is that you have to name the animal, raise the animal, breed the animal. Like sometimes it's like it's good to name the animal and then kind of wait and then breed it. And then you can start talking about it like and all that fun stuff. Well, like, yeah, yeah. mm, Go ahead. Sorry. It's just it's it's I want to say that sometimes people might get into it, name it flaunt it around and then you never hear from him again which means like maybe the animal died or yeah this, that, and the other thing so i think that might discourage some people but right i totally agree is that if you if you want to put some stuff out there you know name your animal and make sure that everybody knows that this unique thing is this thing um some might take off some won't you know i i know there were several people that tried to several people try to name their own like morph when i first got it some guy would there are always guys that would have a weird, unique animal, and they would name it something, right. but they would never prove the morph. And rather than just calling it some kind of line or some kind of thing, it, it would just fizzle out. So gotcha. because they named it, thought it was a morph, it would, and then it didn't pan, pan out, it would just die. But hey, if you had just kept breeding that, you could have had an established line or a look or whatever, but... Right. I, yeah. I think uh I think there are some carpet people that do it. Green tree mm-hmm. people do it really, really well. They do. But um, you know, I think I think for myself, I had a few. I had V, I had Molly. Mm-hmm. Molly wasn't mine. Molly I bought from Zach Baez. He called her Molly Ringwald because mm-hmm. she was red and I just kind of went with that, kept kept that. There's poison ivy. Again, I didn't mm-hmm. name poison ivy, but here's this iconic snake. And I'm just going to keep going with it. You know, Andrew mm-hmm. Paris does a real good job with this. Mike Curtin does a real good job yep, with it. Yep. Um, Nick Button, 
does it a different way. He promotes it more from a project point of view. So really mm-hmm. not naming his animals, but more along the lines of a project like Palmerson's, Gelatin's, Brisbane's, uh, right. you know, Carmel's, uh, you know, you name it, you know, it, but his is more of like the, uh, you know, number one, you already know that he's established that he has the, you know, legitimate lines the, mm-hmm. i guess the most legitimate you can get in the u.s if you want to look like look at it like that um but uh um yeah i you know i don't know i i just think that if you're going to promote uh you know I, I i think that don't make the mistake of promoting your animals when they're small and then don't show them as adults right sort of right like if you're, you're gonna saying. do it do it the whole way don't, <laughs> right. don't just be like your... look at him it's a tiny thing yeah, yeah also yeah update pictures we know when you show lineage and it's like that is a one-year-old that you're trying to pass off as a proven breeding female post the pictures we know they dull out a little bit it's fine right like yeah so i would say like if you're going to promote your season on on social media and get Mm. people excited and may you know add a uh, you know as an added bonus uh, you can you can you have your breeding season archived right, right so right, you right. can reflect back on that um mm-hmm. the next year like when did i pair and what you know because it's kind of it that's that's one of the cool that's things important. about sort you know if you have a yeah. facebook page or something like that you can sort of look back and say oh i did that on november I, 12th <laughs> i've numerously done that people are like when did it hatch i'm like god damn it when did it hatch <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like exactly because then yeah. i always post pictures of the hatching i'm like ah june 6th <laughs> like that's yeah. when the first one pipped like so. Yeah, so I, I would say that that that's a good way. I've done that, um, you know, and it sort of creates an excitement as you're kind of going through. You know, you keep people updated with how yeah. the clutch is going along. You document locks. You I, document- I would say if, if you're gonna do it, do it 100. percent Like document everything, even if it's like ends in a slug clutch or nothing happens. Document the whole thing. Don't just do half the season and then stop, because right. if you ever need to refer back to it none of the information's there. So either do it or don't. Don't half-ass it. So I'm going to throw this on Owen. I, I forgot that I wrote this down, but I think it would be kind of a cool idea, and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully uh, Owen's cool with it. But I was going to say that, like, on Instagram, right, if mm-hmm. you want to, um, you know, share what you're breeding this year mm-hmm. and possibly we would talk about it as we go through, use the hashtag NPR 2022 breeding season. Yes. And we can kind of uh, follow along with what you're doing. And if we see something that really stands out, that's awesome. We can we you know, talk, sort of about it. talk about it and highlight it or whatever. And plus you can sort of see what all the other Morelia people are kind of doing and, and you know, what you want to possibly add to a project or, you know, or, or, or see this how is, they're doing is, it. Right. This is also a good way to kind of get out there and promote your pairing. Like, let's put it this way. I would love some caramel tiger stuff. So if you're going to yeah. breed caramel tigers. Right. I would like hypos. Pack that in there. So if I can track what's going on with your shit and then be like, oh, yeah, I'll watch you. That I'll totally, you know, I'll send yeah. you ring pythons, but they're not really. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So hashtag NPR 2022 breezing season. And uh, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, cool. Th- the next the next point I had was. And and Owen sort of already alluded to this was, um, are you able to take care of the offspring? Food costs money. <laughs> Food costs money. Tubs are limited. <laughs> like it's <Right>. like <laughs> there have been numerous times where I've been like, oh god, oh god, 
oh god and then i had to bring in a baby rack out of nowhere because you always expect not to get all the clutches that you set out to get but every once in a while you get one more than you should have gotten and then you're in a little bit of trouble so yeah yes food food does cost money time you might get twins there might be problems um, you might get a picky feeders. <laughs> you get picky feeders. You might get picky feeders that you're going to pull your hair out for yep. you. Um, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot that can go with that, but you need to be ready for that kind of stuff. And obviously it's getting a game plan, having a rack system, knowing what you're going to do for the babies, how you're going to provide them with this perching, um, hides, I've water. Never yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's funny you say that because yeah. I've never said it this way, but let, let's just say that your average, let's say you're going to have two clutches, right? What do you say? Yeah. 30 offspring. Is that fair? That's wait, it's kind of on the who, high end. Wait, who's, who's having the clutch? Because <laughs> my clutch. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 30 on the high end. Right. It's like, you know, out of my guys, 50 right. on the high end. Like, yeah. That's so. 30 water bowls. Yep. 30 tubs and how are you going to do that so you and i hides. <laughs> you and i both do water bowls very differently yes. you throw the plastic thing away i have ceramic bowls that i clean yes yeah. so which way works best for you um you also have the plastic thing as a perch uh perch right uh i have the little plastic square thing that they go into that they can either go into or get on top of so i don't give them a perch Right. They just would have want to sit on top of that. So I don't provide certain things that you do. Right. And we obviously both have had success raising carpet pythons that we've hatched. Yes. Yeah. So I think I do think it's important whether you use a perch or whether yep. you use a hide box or yep. I've even had them perch on the water bowl. Um, regardless, I think that that baby carpet pythons need to be up yep. in order to feel secure to feed. So I anything think like, to make them feel secure, whether that's yeah. if they feel secure in a hide up yep. on top of something, give them the options that they can feel safe. And I try not to move the hide if they're in it, unless like it, I got to clean and they're in there and the paper's dirty, then I got to do it. But like if it's feed time, I don't rip the hide box away and then right. start smacking it in the face with a hopper like because right. that. <laughs> You don't will probably not work well. Yeah. I you just kind of get tease them a little bit. So there's yeah. all that kind of stuff. So where are you going to get the hides? You know, yes. are are you fully prepared to fill your rack? And if you're fully prepared to fill the rack, if you're like I have 30 slot rack and I have 30 eggs, guess what? You're going to get at least two sets of twins. Why? Because that's how the universe just likes to have fun with you. Right. So, or you're going to get that other, you're going to get that unexpected, clutch. unexpected clutch. Like you're like, <laughs> ah, yes, I'm good with my 30 eggs. Wait, why are you sitting like that? Like, yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Which has happened. I think to both of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? I'm like, my season's over. No. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, uh, it's always the bread lie. Come out yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> sneaky bastards. Sneaky spring breeders coming out of left field. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that um, you should have all that before yeah. the babies arrive. And, so and you all should have water bowls and you should have perching and you yep. should have hides. To be you know, honest, it changes. It varies on species, too. What works for my carpets and my olives does not work for rhinos like right. or corns because sure. their water bowls are so tiny and 
they yeah. can't go in the same rack because they'll they'll try to squeeze out and hurt themselves. So it's like you got to take that into account too. That's also like if you think about like you know this is a thought that I've had. Mm. It's like if I'm going to breed Antaresia one year, I'm probably <laughs> going to back off of other stuff. Right. Just because you know Antaresia is going to be so mind-numbing yes. that you're like, I, I'm going to have to hit this thing with a toad. Correct. And I don't want to have to think about all the carpet pythons over here right. while I'm trying to get this stupid little thing to eat. Yeah. Yes. And you're right. You should you should have prey ready on hand. You should, uh -huh. you know, one of the uh one of the little tips that I'll give that I used a couple times, I used it a couple years and and it worked. Um mm -hmm was uh, instead of using like a plastic hide box or a, a, a paper towel roll that I've used in the past, I've used those mm -hmm. because you can kind of throw them away once they get kind of messed up. And mm -hmm. you sort of, you know, the, the advantage to that to me was is that you sort of had a thermal gradient within the hide, right? So if you have a tub mm -hmm. and you have the heat, like the back heat, or if you have uh, the heat, even if it's on the bottom, right, it's still going to be towards the back of the tub. So right. that snake's able to thermoregulate within that hide uh, and be able to go up and down the entire mm -hmm. length of the tub, you know, which uh, is advantageous. I've also used uh, sphagnum moss, right? Yep. I, I, I think you can buy it on Amazon. It's like oh, you can get it at Lowe's. It's you can get them at that. They call it um. Uh, orchid moss yes. at Lowe's. It's in yeah. a big bag. It same yeah. thing. Um, you can get it a berry. Don't get the peat moss. That just is no. dry crap. No. Yeah. Um, I, I got that trick from Matt Minatola. He does yeah. that a lot with um his uh short tails when mm -hmm. um they I get it sort of keeps I think it's humidity and the fact that they like to hunker down Hunk, and hide bury down know. under. Yeah. yeah. Dude, so. it same thing with if certain species, white lips, rings. Mm -hmm. Timors, they're they're gonna need that humidity. Uh, scrubs, things like that. So you need to be prepared for that. Yeah. But yeah, if you're gonna make, you're gonna, if you're gonna do something. Hides. Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna do something that needs a humid hide, you know it's gonna need a humid hide. Yeah. And you're preparing for that. If you're not, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, why yeah. are you doing this? <laughs> right. Talk to talk to people that have bred. Talk yeah. to the person you bought the snake from. If you're buying from a breeder, this is when. Uh, it really is advantageous for you to do so because mm -hmm. now you can sort of, it's been two years, you, Drop an email. you might have touched yeah. base or whatever, throw them an email, throw her an email, whatever the case would be and say, Hey, you know, uh, so how did you set up your babies or, you know, what, and, and if you run into a problem, you can always hit them up when there is an issue, you know, right. like. Uh, what they're going to probably know best uh, on which way to go with the because uh, they produce the animals. So <laughs> also one of those things of like, should I be doing this? Yes, like that's fine. It's okay. Right. Like you know that they, everything should be fine. But of course, the idea is that also you know your animals. Right. Watch them. If something doesn't look right, don't just brush that off. Because you see these animals all the time and you should be the first one to realize that something is wrong or something isn't right and you should be able to stop it or adjust or right. whatever. So right. be prepared for that kind of stuff. Right. I would say another thing is to keep notes. Yes. Um, there's, notes are good. There's a multitude of different ways you can do it. I use mm -hmm. my phone. I use the Apple Notes app. I used to use Evernote. I used to use these things. The reason I like to use the digital notes mm is because I could take pictures yes. and put the picture with the note, right? Um, mm -hmm. 
uh, but I have, you know, if you listen to old NPR episodes, uh, you know, I had my copy book where I had all my the magic tone in. book. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people just write on blue tape on the cage. Some people use index cards. Some people use post-it notes. Some people use Excel spreadsheets. Some people but use. What do you use? Yeah, I, I have a notebook that I get. Every, I get a notebook, notebook, one notebook every. It's a small notebook, like kind of like the size of this one. Mm-hmm. And I get one every year. Right. And it just is downstairs. And I just write it out. And then I have the NPR calendar. So when we start getting close in the female shed it's on the calendar right write it down right on it be like this is when to expect eggs right so three because usually do day 60 for eggs right is when to look but then like i'll start really annoying the female right. like glance that's the thing again why i love cages i just walk by and i'm like i haven't seen her for two days i'm gonna check that box and then <laughs> usually she's in there right with the eggs or she looks like the only part of her that is upright is her head. I'm going to come check on her tomorrow, like tomorrow or late tonight. And I guarantee you, she's going to be laying at the same time. So, um, but yeah, you, you should write it down because it also helps you keep, I have a whole, um, I have a bunch of, uh, word documents in my computer that is for every species what the temps should be and when we start and when we're doing dropping and everything like that dude i'm getting so rammy i'm like must <laughs> must must start getting ready for the season we will start prepping and dropping temperatures the day after thanksgiving all right we have some time we're gonna wait now <laughs> but we're ready <laughs> like it is right yeah it's, and it's it's got cold here fast. Oh this my year. that's why I'm punchy, dude. That's why I'm punchy. Because yeah. this isn't the like 72 degrees at Christmas kind of a deal. I'm like, oh, there is frost everywhere. Let's yeah. get this stuff going. Let's yes. push buttons. Let's do night drops. Let's open doors. Right. Oh yeah. I'm excited. I gotta pair the Kribo because they breed before everything else. So I gotta start getting them ready. Um, because they're both still torqued up and ready to kill and eat anything in sight. You ever seen a Kribo eat a trout? No. I, I bet you it's cool. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, There's a, it lot of, a lot of rain- blood in a trout that I was not expecting. Rainbow so, trout? Steelhead trout? Uh, it was trout? a rainbow trout, I believe. Okay, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Mike Curtin gave me a bunch, and it was gruesome. So. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Rainbow trout can, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, go back to my fish cutting days. Yep. She ate it. She, like, but... Yeah, there's a lot of fluid I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Still kind of smells like fish down there. Yeah, but anyway, awesome. uh, yeah, dude. So I put that's the other thing is that you know, I, I've, I've gotten a good clutch out of the Kribo in the past two years, right? But both the male and the female put on size this year, okay? So okay. pushing it a little bit further. So, but, do, you, do you do you tear out your pairings, like meaning that you have, say, your top two pairings that you're shooting for that, you know, you really yeah. want these to go. Yeah, you know? but the problem is, is that I'm not just a ball python breeder or a carpet breeder or a corn snake breeder where it's like, these are my corn snakes and these are the ones that I want to breed. Like, I have my top tier animals and then I keep like little micro, like my top tier animal out of Python, Timors, my top okay. tier animal out of carpet Python. Ah, see you split the right. hair there. Now right. I can talk to you about that. So, um, so yeah, I have that all the time and okay. I have, and then I have like this year, 
I want the Blue Beauties to go this year. But will I be upset if the Kribo go? No. <laughs> no, I will not. Yeah. Um, also, I got three female Madagascar hogs that might go. Oh, wow. And Good rhinos. Time. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I don't have that many carpets going this year, dude. That's I think more I have like, carpets that I mean more colubrids than carpets. I, I think it's evenly matched this year because I have uh corn snakes, black rat snakes, and then I have all three types of mad hogs. Um then I have like uh three of the giants. I have the Kribo, I have the blue beauties. Um yeah. And then I think I only have like I think it's maybe six. Carpet right. pairs, including breadlock. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I I kind of go. I I kind I pretty I kind of tear stuff out. So I have like a top two. Yep. Um, and it could be any species, but specifically, um, whatever is the one I'm most excited about. Like, yeah. For instance, this year it would be, uh, probably. See, this is a hard year, but probably I would say diamond pythons and inlands are probably my top two, right? Yeah. And um, the difficulty with them is, is that it's different from anything that I've done before. So it's sort of like, that's right. You've I, never produced uh, diamonds. No, or inland. Yeah. no, no. So it's kind of like, uh, even though it's breeding carpet pythons, it's kind of like venturing into the unknown, which is kind of fun in a way. It, but it, um, it, That's the best. I love that part, but it's, that's my most fun is doing it. And then you have that moment when the eggs come, you're like, holy I did shit. It. <laughs> you, have that, you have that moment of, holy shit, I did it. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it worked. They're here. And yes. like, you know, and then in the back of your brain, you're like, this is step two. <laughs> like you have yeah. to, They still have to hatch you moron. And then you have to get the babies going. Like it's all that stuff. But for that brief moment, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah. so super uh, excited. Yeah. Uh, it, but that's something else where it's like drastically changes where it's like I I can breed carpets without even trying. Yeah. The bread light I have to push right. like and I have to figure out how I'm going to do that this year because I fucked myself up because normally I would put the team wars in the same cage and then I have an open six footer. And that's where I would put the bread lie. But now the team wars have a joined cage. So they have that tunnel thing. So they're going back and forth. So I don't have a open cage because at any second, the team wars could come back into the other cage or a bread light could go into the team wars cage. So I can't do that. Right. So I have to figure out where I'm going to winter the bread light this year. I, I think, I think the reason that I sort of look at um, doing it in a tier type of thing is mm. because I want to focus. I think, I think, the, at least the first couple times I breed a species, right. I want to focus all of my attention to details of breeding that species. Yes. So, so, so if I'm breeding diamond pythons, although maybe I'm going to breed gelatins, but at this point to Owen's point, I can sort of, I, I kind of know because I paid attention to breeding them. Because <laughs> I watched the first time I did it. Correct. <laughs> I sort of know the signs. I sort of know also, what I'm looking for. There's also the thing of like, if you got diamonds, but you didn't get gelatins, you're not going to sit there and be like, oh, I'm a failure. Like yes. It's like, eh, all right, no gelatins this year. Like, yeah. it's fine. So focus on the new stuff. I mean, dude, I want, I want water pythons this year. Yeah. 
No yes. one cares. No one cares. No <laughs> one cares. No one will care about yeah. my brown, ugly little water pythons. But I will be so happy because I'll be like, care. "That's two liasses, baby." Like, yes. yeah, no, <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, we all. I I think that especially when you're breeding some of these more difficult to breed species, I think it requires a level of attention yeah. that you sort of want to not, I'm not saying that it can't be done, but if it were me you and I was breeding it, I would try to focus as much mm -hmm. as I could on that because, and again, this is just my observation. It could just be my bias of what I see in the world, but it seems like the people that kind of hit those harder to breed species have focused on that species. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they yeah. really like sort of like geared in to sort of figure yeah, out and, what's going on. And that's what you have to do. Like, let's put it this way. Um, my new cages are arriving in December. Okay. So I will be able to stack up the white lips, the golds, and then I'll have one open six footer to put the blacks in. Okay. So my black face white lips are not big enough yet. I think they need another year, at least for the female to put on some size. So I'm not even trying them this year. Okay. They're, 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 I'm going to winter them. I'm going to do everything I normally would do if I was going to breed them, but I'm not going to do anything else. The golds, I'm not going to pair them until I get the outside room redone because uh -huh. I'm going to put a tunnel in there like I did for the Timor pythons, and I'm going to let them tell me when the male wants to go for the female. So I'm going to put them on the track. I'm going to do the drops, right. and then I will give him access to her, and then... If he wants to, he can go track her down. She can track him down or they can just kind of not deal with each other and we'll see how it goes. But that thing is going to remain open until probably May or June. Right. And they'll separate, shut the tunnels and we'll go from there. Same thing with the team wars. Um, right. So everything's kind of on hold and it's kind of weird. That's why I told you, like, I'm also Rammy. I'm like, put them together yeah. now. It's like, no, right. no, 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 no. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you can sometimes ruin it by yeah. putting them together too early. You know, you can ruin I've, it. I've they, can, they, they can lock up like crazy in December. And then when she's ovulating later on, he can be like, Neh. and then you well, don't get it. So last, not last year, was mm. it the year? It was the year before I tried breeding diamond pythons and mm. I put the male with the female. Immediately they lock up. Immediately. I'm like, oh, this is cake. Yeah. Diamond <laughs> pythons are easy. <laughs> no eggs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so you know it. It's sort of taking a step back, and 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 I think sometimes you're going to have those seasons where you strike out on a species mm -hmm. that you're trying to do. It could be a multitude yes. of yes. reasons. Trust it could me. be, yeah, it could be the pair is not compatible. Yeah, or they the didn't most kill each other. Thing of all. You oh. don't have a pair. <laughs> yeah, you you have you have two point zero or zero point two. Like it, yes. Uh, what is it? The um, uh, the uh, caramel jag head exanic jag that I got from you. Yeah, <laughs> it shed yesterday, and I'm like, no. <laughs> oh no, no, really? No, no. It it's one of those weird things where I'm like, it, that that could be a sperm plug, Ooh. or it's not, or it could be. I got that. Or from it's Nick. not. Yeah. Well, she's got she's got another year before okay i i try but i saw that and i'm like you better not be a male that would fuck up so many actually not really <laughs> like it would just yeah i got girls <laughs> like it's well 
Some people are notorious are are very good at sexing snakes. Right. Some people are not good at sexing snakes. But also mistakes fucking happen and Correct. These little bastards are really good at hiding things. Correct. Like I did it to myself. I, my whole back so have I. <laughs> female was a male. Like it is <laughs> like it's, it's uh yeah, how are you gonna deal with that? You know, how, how, yeah. what's, you know, you got to think about that because if, and, and that's another thing, right? Like mm. you get all these baby snakes and then you don't know how to sex them. Yeah. Or, you know, that's why every time that Matt Minotola would have blood pythons to sex, you know, he, he looked at it as who the hell would want to do this because you get shit on and pissed on and bit and, you know, but the experience of sexing the snakes when you're sexing, you know, 50 blood pythons. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, they're not carpets, but at least I'm getting a feel for, you know, doing it and, and, I, and I seeing what he's people, doing. I know some people that will sex the, like Jason Balin, he will sex the animals when they're born and then he will probe it at the show before he sells it to you. Yeah. yeah. And there have been a couple of times where he probes it and he goes, that's a girl. Well, this one was a boy. Like, and that, that happens. Yeah. Like, you got to understand that. Also, God help you if it's a tweener. Like, cause then what do you do? I mean, yeah. I think I got a couple of tweeners from, uh, yeah. from, from Balin and he was like, he, he said that, you know, and, yeah. and he's like, um, huh? Well, yeah. I think this is a girl. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this is a boy and I'm like, okay. okay. And for years and years, I couldn't get them to breed and I never thought so in my mind, I'm thinking, well, this is Jason Balin. You know, he's 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 gonna know right. better than me. Yeah. And turns out that it was both girls. So right. Because <laughs> if, if they're dude, if they're tweeners, good luck. The best thing to do with a tweener is to throw in a proven male and see what he does. Yes. But yeah. even then, like I told you, I put in a proven male with my female, and they live together for two months. And I'm like, I'm not getting any action. Why don't I take this girl and throw it in with one of my proven females? And they were locked up. And I'm like, there's a problem. Also, what the fuck were you doing? Like, you're, <laughs> you're supposed to combat him. What right. the hell? Like, it's so it's not amazing. always again, whatever rule we try to make up for animals, they yes. will try their damnedest to break it in front of us. Yes. So you got to be fluid. You got to be open to those kinds of things. Your gut miss sexes are going to happen. Yeah. You got to be prepared. You know, if that happens, is the season shot? It's okay that if you had a dream pairing and you put them together and they turned out to be both males or both females to hit pause on the project and on the year. Right. And regroup. Right. You shouldn't just grab the nearest male and chuck it in there. Right. Because then you might get animals that you weren't expecting, didn't want. Or nobody wants. Or nobody wants. <laughs> or that you were like. I I don't know. So if you're really adamant about your animals and your breeding projects and a missex happens, it's totally fine to pause it. Yeah. Yeah. And don't I, go blaming the person who sold it to you because I really doubt people out there are like, this one's a male, but I'm well, going to sell it as a female. Like, no, that was an accident. <laughs> I could, I could say my thought would be this. If you yep. buy an animal yeah, and you're about to breed that animal that you bought as a baby. Yeah. 
and now you're pissed off at the breeder, right? Because it's sex strong, you're an idiot. You had several years to figure this shit out. You're like, it, yeah. It's, at that point, listen, it's, it's you your be, fault. You can be pissed at the situation. It yes. sucks. It <laughs> We've all been there. Wait, wait. I think it was my jungles for the first time, right? Because I was breeding the zebra jack, yeah. and I put him in there. I'm like, I think that's combat, but I don't know because that's a zebra jack, and it looks kind of weird. Let me try with this other one. Yep, that was combat. Like, because yeah, there's combat. So, yeah. I yeah. think that I think that if you are going to buy animals, mm. and your intention is to breed them. You have to do your due diligence when that animal comes, the day you get it, to go yeah. probe it, pop it, take it to the vet, get it popped, probed, whatever whatever you do whatever. have to do yeah. to verify the sex. Two yeah. years, three years, four years later, that's on you. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's just on. on you. I mean, sorry for your loss. And I bet you there's breeders out there that would probably say like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. You know, I have this extra male. Let me send them oh. to you know. I mean, yeah, but, I, and that and that's and that's that's to each but their that's own. The exception, yeah, that's the exception. The yeah, plus, you know, it it happens. Yeah, deal with it. Like you know, right. again, I wasn't tracking down who sold me shit. Like it was just all right. Well, got regroup. another one. Yeah, regroup, <laughs> right. move right. on. Like, right. what's right. the thing? Is like adapt, overcome. <laughs> like yeah. it is. Yeah, which you know, I mean, not this is the thing that like going from the python world to say the 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 lizard world right it's like mm. nothing's sexed <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> no one knows <laughs> you're just, you just buy a it's, bunch of them and hope for a thunderdome over here <laughs> like yeah. yes yeah it's just like uh well here uh buy a group and uh, hopefully you get uh, hopefully one of them of will be a girl if not whatever <laughs> right. i'll sell you more it's cool yeah, things like you can't you can't you really going, sex blue tongue skinks. Right, you can't not monitors. Geckos you know who's, got the, probably, you know who's got it the best out of everybody? Tortoise people. This one is an innie. It's a male. <laughs> this one is a flat one. It's a girl. Yeah, done. <laughs> like it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's ways to do it, but like like I'm saying, I think that's probably the number one thing that you should uh, do from the get go is sort of. Uh, you know, just make sure that you have prepare. a pair. Again, yeah. it's another, it, it, we're all talking, we haven't even got the breeding yet. This is all preparing. Number yes. one, make sure you got enough room and time and sanity for offspring. Step two, make sure you have a pair. <laughs> yeah, we're an hour in and we haven't You're even an hour talked in, about breeding. Step two. <laughs> yeah, it, but I think that the most important part of breeding, and like, I think people have this idea that, you know, for us in the Northern Hemisphere, we start breeding in, say, November is when our breeding season starts, right? Some people right. go in well, October, it, November. It varies oh. because, let's put it this way, you know, there were some years where, like I said, it was 72 at Christmas, and I'm like, I'm never getting eggs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the breeding didn't happen till later. So it depends on the cold weather. You have to be prepared for that. And that also, right, that yeah. also – will affect your breeding season. Like we've yeah. had years where the East coast in our little section of the, of the U S mm. most of the people that like, if, if one of us have a shitty year, all usually of all of us have a yeah. shitty year. Yeah. If all, one of us have a great year, usually Everybody's all of us have babies. a great year. And, and, and if, that's, if you have yeah. a shitty year, Owen might get, he might get flat five clutches where I get one, you know, Balin might get six, 
Mm. You know, uh, uh, Curtin might get four, uh, you know, right. something like that, that kind of thing. Where also, it's, like, it, it, it's the variations of our rooms and our setups. Sure. The other thing is that that's something that you kind of, I was always, when I first started, it was always cold is bad. Yeah. Packing as much heat, insulation, this, that, and the other thing. But if you don't have an opportunity to allow them to get to a certain temperature. Correct. I found out I had more success if I leave the snake room doors wide the fuck open <laughs> like yes. during yeah. winter and I let everything just drop be because if I kept the door closed, it would hold in enough heat to not let me to get down into the 70s right. or lower. Right. That being said, I need certain places to get cooler, certain species to get cooler. So I got to right. separate out animals. And, you know, I'm very mean to the big animals out. And that's the other thing that this year I'm not breeding my normal female olive python. I'm giving her this year off. Okay. So I'm trying another female olive that I have. Okay. So I'm going to try to do everything I can. And hopefully this olive python will breed under the same formula that that other one's breeding. And that <laughs> may not happen. Like right. she, she might not do anything. I've got right. two males that I'm going to try to put to her, but I might get, I might get no olives this year. Right. Yeah. And you know, you said, you, you've said this multiple times, mm -hmm. but like to think about breeding olive pythons and selling olive pythons or breeding water pythons and selling water pythons. There's no morphs associated yeah, with them. Necessarily. I love it so much. <laughs> it's, they, they all look the same. I love you it. Know, nobody, it, nobody asks for, I need several pictures of its head. Why? It's green. Like the rest of them. <laughs> like <right>. it is, <laughs> you know, whereas like, that's another thing you have to think about, right? If you're going to be selling animals online, how yeah. are you going to be able to capture an image of that, animal have you ever shipped animals before yes. that's a mind-numbing thing all in its own yes yeah and i hate it i hate it <laughs> yeah i hate shipping too for sure because especially now currently especially uh, at least in the u.s dude i'm done shipping is a nightmare i'm done i'm done i'm getting i'm getting a box <laughs> i'm getting two boxes on tuesday a box for me that has the ruffy in it and then a box for you and me from Riley. Right. And then I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not shipping anything out from what I've been hearing. FedEx is full of delays, full yes. of, full of issues. And it's only getting colder at night and it's only going to get worse as we get closer to the holidays. And normally I wouldn't shut down. I think there've been years where I don't shut down shipping at all because it stayed warm enough. FedEx was doing well. I just required everybody to pick them up at a FedEx hub, but yeah. dude, I'm done. I'm shutting down shipping. You can have it after first of the year. And I know there's going to be a couple people who are going to be pissed off about that, but yeah, I got to send out some snakes to some people. And I, yeah. cause I've been so sick. I've, 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 I've screwed up the window and I'm kind of nervous about wanting to, send I would them do it until after, I would do it. If you're going to do it, I would do it in the next week. It would go to a FedEx cub. And then as we get closer to Thanksgiving, kill it. December 1st, nothing is leaving. Nothing is leaving. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the week for the week, <clears throat> the week of Thanksgiving, I'm done. Like I might have one customer that can convince me to ship something out prior to Thanksgiving, but the week of before Thanksgiving, right. you're not getting it until January. And if that's a problem, Drive here yeah. and get it. Yeah, I, I 
yeah, I, I'll have to work that out. But uh, yeah. I, I don't think that the people will will give two shits. It's it, I don't. Yeah, it's normally it's the people. It's kind of like it's kind of gift stuff. So it's, yeah, if it's know. if it's an Eric shipment, they're all going to friends who really don't care. <laughs> like right, right, yeah. Right. I got quite a few of those going out. But uh, but anyway, uh, we're we're off course. Here, we're but, we're uh, going off the rails. Is that what? Yeah, oh, but yeah oh, shipping, shipping is uh, is something, something you have to think else about. to think about. There's a lot there. Um, anyway. I think I think that, um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, pre-breeding season and, and things to think about. And I think the most important thing at this point, if your female is not in the condition to go That's, through call it uh, now. producing eggs, mm. she doesn't have good size on her, a good weight. She, she doesn't, she appears healthy. She, she's eat, you know, she's, there's no issues with her. Um, I think you're good. If you question it a little bit, Hold I would back. not do it. Nope. I would not call do it. it. I've been doing a thing where I have them leapfrog. So they'll do two years breeding. So breeding back to back, you're off. Right. Breeding back to back, you're off. It helps right. me stagger what I'm producing and what I'm sure. selling. Right. And then it also helps me um, keep their body condition. Uh, my caramel tiger female has been a bear to get eating her entire life. Right. Um, Till I started putting her down for winter and breeding her. Then she always comes up and eats, but I could never get weight on her or get her to grow a little bit more because I'd breed her and she'd lose weight. And then I'd, she'd, I'd feed her and then I'd breed her and she'd lose weight. So she took last year off and she put on a ton of weight enough to I'm like, okay, cool. So I am totally confident with her breeding. Now right. my female tiger that I got from you, she is getting this year off because she's produced two years in a row for me. Totally cool. Next year she'll be ready to fire, which is what I'm hoping for. So right. by then I'll have different males ready to go. So I'll be able to offer different pairings with her. So it's one of those things that that staggering is always good, but the prepping makes or breaks your season. Yeah. If you don't prep appropriately and just kind of try to wing it. You're going to have, you're going to run into some issues. So again, like what you said, look at her. And if her body condition is even the tiniest bit, not what you think is right. Just give her another year. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think what I was saying before we started, mm. before I, I, I wanted to make sure I finished the thought was that, mm. um, you know, a lot of people will think that breeding starts in November, yeah. but really, it's all it's a it's a whole year process it's it's, in it's august a, it's, it's, it's a whole it's a, <laughs> yeah. especially if you're breeding them back to back years as soon as that female is is off the eggs at, well here's a rat you're, you know, <laughs> you're starting to get her back into the swing of things get her settled in um mm. you know uh get some size on her because uh, and if you're gonna do maternal incubation Mm. Man, when those snakes come off those eggs, you feel pretty bad for them because they I, look like death. <laughs> I got some of mine. To, I, I I did the the maternal incubation with the. That's the other thing. I thought the tiger do maternal because I knew I was giving her this year off. Right. So, but I got her to eat while she was incubating the eggs. Right. So she didn't look that horrible. She still looked bad. Don't right. get me wrong. Right. I was still like, dear God, it's is it's a piece of rubber, but. She could have looked a lot worse. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think another thing to think about, and sort of why I cycle everything, mm. right, is to sort of get the rhythm of my room. 
Right. And, you know, I sort of want, I want to know what my room is going to do with the conditions that are outside. And I sort of take the four years it would take to, to, to raise up a, a carpet Python for breed, because that's my recommendation. I used to say two, three two. is okay. Two for males is, is okay. Three four is totally fine. Four for females. And then yeah. you know what? It's a soft four because then you look at them and you're like, maybe five. Right. Yeah. I, I have. They will breed. Yeah. They will I breed have, earlier than that. I know they will, but will they be around later? Right. So um, I have. <laughs> right. I think I have two seven-year-olds that came to me as I think three or four-year-olds that were about the same size as my two-year-olds. Okay. So, and they're just now having been here for a couple of years, starting to put on size and weight. But I have maybe I have three females that I'm just I, I put the food to them and they don't seem to grow that much. Right. And I'm like, come on. Like, it, it's my stonewash female. It's my albino jag female. And it's my Brisbane female. Right. So. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think that. uh you know, it, you, that'll give you plenty of time to sort of, mm -hmm. and, and I would even take notes on your room, you know, like yeah. what's it, what's the temperature at, uh, you know, and today with the technology today, you can get one of those Wi-Fi thermostat humidity things. You can put it in your room. You can put a couple of them in your room. You can just check your it phone. Just, <laughs> it just logs it. It just puts all that data. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be there. You can look and see what the temperature is your room. My day, we had to walk app. around with a temp gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. The technology, you take advantage of it, you know. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, the females uh, are really probably the more important uh, part of the puzzle when it comes to breeding um, right? because the female has to actually do the work, right? right. The male, <laughs> if he doesn't breed, nothing, nothing hurts. bad <laughs> happens to him. He yeah. just yeah. goes back in his cage. Right. <laughs> like it is. Yeah. It is. And that's why it's always the like, well, I think my male might be ready. All right. Give him a shot. Right. Really? I'm like, yeah, it, if he didn't breed, he didn't Can't breed. Hurt. Right. Not going to hurt him. <laughs> like right. it is. Right. Um, I've bred some pretty small males Me to some too. pretty big females. <laughs> um, I've bred some. I've bred some pretty big males to some moderate sized females, and uh, that, that has worked as well. But that um, is when things went wrong. Where it yes. was, I thought I had the girl. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so yeah. So check out the female, the male. Sort of. Uh, you know, you want to make sure that. So. In my opinion, the one thing you want to do with the male is um, you want to make sure that he has, uh, you know, you want to keep him lean, mm -hmm. but you Fat want to keep him fed yeah. only because, and, you know, the whole cycle feeding thing is is something you can do. But like when typically, not all, not everyone, but typically when pythons go into breeding mode, male pythons don't usually give a don't shit eat. about anything. Yeah, right. So they're they're not going to be focused on food. They might eat, but typically they're not going to. And that's usually where those questions come from of, oh, no, my snake hasn't eaten, um, hasn't eaten in months. Yeah, people you know, who or, aren't breeding are like, right. why my snake hasn't eaten in months? I'm like, it's the middle of winter. Yeah, it's still going to shut down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
So, uh, and, and, and to be honest with you, it's, it's probably healthy for the snake in the long term. Anyway. It, it really is because also it helps them out with, you know, we're, we're reminded of all these snakes of what they do in the wild where it's like, they eat only when the birds are migrating through and they'll eat six or seven birds in an hour and then they'll sit for three months and they won't eat again until the birds are migrating back through. Like it, it's good to have that. Like I, I fed my juveniles and my babies today and Melissa was like, are you going to feed anybody else? I'm like, Nope. Everybody else is getting emptied out and right. they start dropping. So, right. So the rule that I use is I go by the holidays, right? You know, yeah, you got Halloween, it's easier that way. Halloween, you stop feeding. Yep. Thanksgiving, you start dropping temps. Christmas, yep. you start introductions. Uh, you know, and then you sort of ride it out from there. Usually, you have eggs probably sometime around Valentine's Day, maybe maybe March, something like yep. that. Yep. Um, but it's just that it, you know, again. You don't have to follow that to the T. It just sort of gives you an idea to put you in the mindset of of, of the spacing between the things. Um, it, it's also it helps. It, easy. it also helps to have these big these date reminders because yeah. then it's like <laughs> right. Halloween. Stop feeding. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. I I know when Halloween is and there's a lot of shit going on. Right. If you pick a random day in the month and you're like, because you'll blow right past <laughs> yeah. it. Right. Right. Exactly. Because I've and, done that a million times. <laughs> I think it's important. I think it's very important. Um, and and I learned this from talking to Ryan Young um, and his success with breeding those weird pythons, right? And he goes by the idea that like he sort of sets a – and, it, he, you know, uh, listening to his interview and listening mm. to him talk, it's sort of like he sort of sets a – like seasons in his room. Right. So, his room always goes at this time and does mm. this and this time and does that. And like eventually what he said is that the snakes sort of adapt to that season and it might take a little while, but he doesn't change it. Right. right. So people will have this idea of like, Oh, I'm going to change it. So we did change it. Owen and I changed yep. it years ago because we used to stop feeding in October. Yeah. Start cooling in. Or yeah, start cooling. You, you, you start you stop feeding October first. You stop you stop right. feeding October first, right. and you start cooling in Halloween. Right. Right. And I sort of got that from Derek Roddy, but to Owen said it a couple times. We had that one year where it was like seventy six. I was in shorts, and I remember because I was at my mother's, and I'm in shorts, and I'm like, this is not correct. Like right. it is Christmas, so you have to gauge it because it wasn't getting cold enough. Right. And we were, so what would end up happening is we would drop everybody down and then we'd be trying to warm everybody up in the beginning of March when it was freaking freezing. So right. it's like, it, it's much easier to go with the flow of what's going on outside of your room. It right. helps to not fight it. Yeah. It's weird how much you pay attention to the weather. <laughs> Once you start becoming yeah. a snake breeder, <laughs> you you walk outside, you see frost, you're like, ah, yes, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> like, it, yeah. I used to hate the fall. I, I hated it because every year I get sick. I'm always sick. Asthma, can't stand the change of seasons, whatever. Ever since I've been a snake breeder, it's my favorite time of year. <laughs> skipping through, <laughs> just skipping through your room. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it it's 
dude, I love, I love the whole breeding season. I would say my favorite time of year though is getting eggs. Yeah, like it is my favorite. Like I, because again, you you have that thrill and that excitement of opening the bin, knowing she's in there, right? And not knowing whether she's got eggs, whether they're slugs, whether this is happening, and then you pop it open, and if you have even one good pearly white egg yeah that's your day like yeah. I, everything is so awesome yeah 100%. and then and then like this this coming season maybe not this season probably gonna be next year i get to try ruffies again oh nice <laughs> like, <laughs> nice it's like, it's like okay okay i'm not panicking right but that's awesome yeah good because i need a mail <laughs> i'm working on it <laughs> um Anyway, uh, yeah, so I think the first, so, okay, so we've talked about, you know, things you have to think about. We've talked prepping. about, um, yep. you know, prepping the animals and, and what you have to think about. So really, to me, um, I've sort of like, again, just all my talk on NPR and whatnot is that we've sort of come to the idea that, and again, I'm throwing out this number, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this is the number. But if there's, right. say, six things that can get pythons to breed, right? You got to hit like three of them. Yeah. If you hit three, they're going to go. So right. I'm going to just use an example of what those six things might be. Right. It could be temperature. Yep. It could be humidity. Yep. It could be feeding. Mm -hmm. It could be lighting. It could be, uh, what else can I think of? Presence that? of another male or the presence of the male. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it could be, um, yeah, I mean, that's the, so, so if you, and, and well, you know, it was interesting, uh, in our NPR chat, uh, mm. on, uh, they were showing today, uh, Scott has this thing where it's sort of simulating storms. Storms. Right? Yes. I, I, I don't know if that I necessarily mean, would work for, carbon pythons but that would be something white that lips timors sure rings i mean come on. plus yes. dude when is when is the time when you need to make sure that your males are in with the girls <laughs> when the pressure drops <laughs> when when the pressure Snowstorms. bombs when yes. when everybody else is running to the supermarket to get Yes. Bread, milk, and eggs, which the I only understand. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you making French toast in the dark? Like, yeah. I don't get it. Anyway, when they're all doing that, you're running your ass home and you're putting the boys in with the girls. Exactly. That's where they need to be. I have been in my snake room during a blizzard seeing all of them being like all the males spurring the females. I've seen locks like crazy 100%. on yeah. during a snowstorm. Yes. When I am at work, and people are yelling at me because there's no more bread. <laughs> How am I going to survive the next two days? The next two days without bread. With Sir, no you bread. have bread in your cart. <laughs> like it is, I don't, I don't understand. No milk <laughs> and no milk, eggs. eggs or bread. Which, if you lose power, those are the first three things that are good. Like, I mean, yeah. milk and eggs. Why would you do that? <laughs> I want you to know that the only thing that I'm thinking about is like, oh, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to get home. So I don't animals. have to listen to you freaking yell at me anymore because you can't prepare yourself to be an adult. And I just want to pair my snakes because I know as soon as I come home, I'm good to your point. Right. So this is my first cue that things are going right. Yes. Right. 
The yep. very first thing that I look for to see that we're on track is males cruising their they, cage. They will free. Like, I mean, nonstop. It, right. All right. Yeah, listen, you ever gone downstairs in your snake room and turn on the lights after they were all off and you see everybody is. Yes. Stuff or moving into the, like yes. all of a sudden you turn it on, like your one rough scales, like up against the <laughs> yeah. glass. Like, I, I don't Woo! know. Yeah. It's like, anyway. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> like it's any, but um, like cockroaches, they're all just yeah. freeze. But um, with, with I don't male, see me. I don't think you can see me. I don't think you see me. Don't move. <laughs> but um, with with cruising males, they don't give a shit. They're yeah. up against the glass. They're yes. like if you keep them on paper, the paper is now a wad in the uh, middle of the cage because all they're doing is just race tracks right. all around, whipping around and. You know, you also got to understand is when you do the introductions and you put the male in with the female, it is going to be automatic whether they're going to be okay. So somebody's going to like go beelining, whipping all around like crazy, trying to get away, pull them apart. Right. If they just kind of checking each other out, I've put I've put them in there, and before Uh I can let go of the male, he's already like doing this. Like yeah. spurring, like as he's leaving my hand because he already right. knows what he's supposed to do. Right. But you know, I that's the other thing. Put him in. If everything's cool, walk away, come back in 10 minutes. You might get locked. You might yeah. see locks. Right. Like that's how quickly it can happen. That's why people ever once in a while have a accidental clutch where they put the male in with a female for a little bit while I was right. cleaning the cages. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think anything would happen. I didn't think anything. You only had an hour. That's all he needed was an hour. Like it is right. Yeah, it's uh, it's it it's it's it. Well, it goes back to the whole idea of reading your animals, right? right. So, um, again, I think that like you you sort of have to set the stage. The animals know what they have to do. They know, right. you know. I know Owen makes a joke of it, but like it is pretty simple to you know put boy snake with girl snake boy snake with girl snake and then baby snake like it's you know it's 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 so simple listen i'm not an intelligent guy like i'm i I am not one of the like herpetological doctors out here like and somehow i've done it so it's yeah it's it's a thing you know you can do it 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 just requires you and and some species will be more difficult. Yes. Obviously, that's true. Um, yes. But I think at the end of the day, I think that that they aren't that different, mm-hmm. right? They may have specific behaviors that maybe we're not clued in on, or need specific parameters that maybe we're not providing. However. Right. I think if you're really paying attention over time, you're going to be able to figure that out. But right. like with carpet pythons in particular, pretty straight ahead. It's 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 pretty like once you start to see the signs, like I can look at a female. Mm. I call it the pretzel, right? Yeah, they're all twisted. <laughs> so when you see a female and she's about to lay eggs, like I'm talking like they're coming in the next 24 next, hours. Yeah. Yep. Right. Maybe 48, but at least in the next 24. She is in the most uncomfortable looking, like you're going to open the cage or look in the the tub or, Mm -hmm. you know, the the egg box or whatever it would be and you're, or the nest box. And you're going to be like, 
what is wrong with this one? Like, this just doesn't seem right. Like, you know? oh, and, God, she, is she all right? Because she's going to be, like I said, the only thing that might be still upright is her head. Right. Everything else could be all twisted at her stomach, and, her you know, back, like all twisted up. Yep. Um, and then there's like, here's another thing that you can I can just look at us at a female snake and know she's coiled on eggs. I just mm-hmm. uh, well, I should say uh, a python. beehive. Yeah, there's just the there's uh, a certain look that they have. It's, like, it's, it's one like, of those things you oh. pull the bin open and you see her and then you close it and you're like yes yeah yeah yes and then you open them in again (laughs) it's like but these are all things that you learn from doing it right yeah you know so uh it's it's really kind of thing so i guess like once you start to see you know uh the 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 males cruising around or whatnot and you kind of know that you're in the ballpark the temps outside are sort of dropping Mm. you know you want to start to drop the temps in your room right so whatever your cycle is uh, if you're going to do a 12 12 so like Mm. i think it depends i don't know i'll get your thoughts on this after i say this but like I think it depends on the species. Like say you're breeding like green trees or say more Indonesian type stuff. You could probably follow a 12, 12. And I don't mm-hmm. think that they're going to be too affected necessarily by a light cycle. Like I'm right. sure that the fact that there is a light cycle will Helps. affect them. Yeah. If but the lights aren't on 24 hours it, a day. Yeah. It's yeah. probably yeah. good. Right. If you, you know, if you're like, well, today I only did 11 hours and, you know, it's like, it's it okay. It's not okay, the end good. of the world. But yeah, sort of have yeah. some sort of, you know, yeah. like lights go off at this time and they don't go back on. Right. Period. Get yourself Done. one of them little red headlamps if you have to go in your snake room, whatever. I've run around in my snake room with a headlamp. <laughs> like, right. It's, it's like her. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like herping, but you're cheating. You know yes. where all the snakes are. Right. If you find a snake while herping in your snake room that you weren't expecting, <laughs> things have gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> things have gone things have gone horribly wrong. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that um, you 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 sort of want to have some kind of cycle. So so when those lights go out, mm-hmm. for me, all the heat goes off. Yes, all of it, everything, yep. all the heat. All heat, yep. all, all belly heat, all basking spots, all ambient temperature, room, mm-hmm. whatever the case would be. I think there's this idea that uh, pythons have to, at least for me in the early days, like I couldn't wrap my brain around the whole temperature thing. It was right. it, it was hard for me to understand. And I always had this idea that it's more like what people do with colubrids where you drop the temps and you and leave, you leave them temps. That's yeah. not what you do with pythons. No, 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 no. Uh, so you're going to drop the temps at night. And then when that light would turn back on, it's your daytime. The heat turns back on and right. goes to what it normally would be. Mm-hmm. I think for me in my room, even if like, even in, in the summertime, I, I try to keep my temperature at, 80 to 82 degrees in my snake room, right? So it's the, the ambient room temperature. Yeah. Ambient room temperature is like 80. Sometimes and that's, that's, dur- that's during the day. Right. So right. yeah. Um, I'll have hot spots about 85. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's a little bit different with 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 diamond pythons that I have. So their ambient is probably more towards 70. Right. 
Um, and they have a much hotter hotspot. But how you manipulate with diamond pythons, at least what I'm doing, is mm-hmm. that you manipulate that time of the length of the hotspot. So if you normally give 12, 12, then you're going to give it, you know, now it's going to be 10 hours, then mm-hmm. it's going to be eight hours, then it's going to be six hours. And they're going to utilize that. I promise you they're going to be basking. And- yeah. Yeah. That was something else I was going to do with the white lips is not just because normally with mine, I do a 12, 12 light cycle. Right. And then I do ramping of the heat. So right. the basking, I don't really heat my room. It will naturally get warmer during the day just because of all the different cages that are going on in my right. room, which is sure. in a walkout basement. So it's underground. Yada, yada, yada. Um, so it will get up there into about 80, 82 degrees, but I usually let it just drop to whatever the temp is in the basement. Right. Um, uh, so it, it can get down closer to 60 degrees in some places um, in that room in those two rooms. And then the side room is there's no insulation. That thing, that shit will get cold. Yeah. So um, that's where all the colubrids go. So um, I will start at 8 p.m it will take four hours and it'll start ramping the temperatures down, which basically means is that as the temperatures in the room drop, right. And sometimes it'll just like the temperatures in the room will just bomb straight down. Right. This will gradually slow it down in the cages till it hits that happy thing. And it'll keep it at this temp. So the heat panels may actually even turn on to keep it at this, like, 72 degrees 71 degrees whatever right right. and then after at 8 a.m it takes time to ramp back up to the 84 degrees in the cages in the hot spots so it's basically like the sun is coming up and going down right so i would have liked to have um i mean i wish i could have done something with the lights to make it so that like they would get brighter and brighter and brighter and then at their zenith and then it would kind of stay there for a little bit and then just get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer that's for like the next snake room that's what we're gonna do is just have the have some sort of light control but yeah Yeah, 100 percent. i think uh yeah i i sort of follow that same ramping uh thing Mm -hmm. um that was a tip I got from you. So yeah. <laughs> when you said that the one year, I was like, wait a minute, that's genius. It, I don't, it, I don't it, do that. I just cut the heat off. I like, just turn I, it off. It's like, yeah, but it works so much better because, I mean, and and we've talked about this. I give my guys a year-round night drop. Right. Where so yep. it, it will – now, the night drop during the summertime is supposed to be – like, I, I honest to God, I stopped doing anything – higher than 70 like lower than 75 during the summertime right right. so normally what i used to do is ramp it all the way up to back to the normal basking temp or the normal summer temps at 80 something degrees but you know then i found out that most of my panels were turning on at nighttime to get it from 82 to 84 which it didn't need to do so i stopped ramping it up at 75 and then what happens is is that naturally the room doesn't drop below a temperature because it's August. Right. Like it's not going to do that. Plus I found out more and more that my guys were moving around a lot more at nighttime. They were coming out of their hide boxes and sitting on top of it right when the heat panels would turn on 
to start ramping up at 8 a.m. I'd see them all moving around and stuff like right. that. So yeah. I got better body conditions. I got these fat, lazy snakes to actually thin out a little bit. So it was working out a lot better. So I would say that once you stop thinking about the heating systems as like trying to aggressively like push the temperature instead of it being like a safety net and just right. letting your room do what your room does, it, it right. is a lot easier. That's why we always say about like when breeding, go with the weather outside because it's much right. easier to go with it rather than fight it. Right. So, especially here in the Northeast, right? So, yeah, this is the other thing you have to remember, right? You know, for Riley and Lucas out on the West Coast, everything's going to be breeding different yeah. than, you know, than we are here on the North. Uh, mm -hmm. northeast right and you got rob that's in colorado which is god his temperatures are all Dude, over the place. <laughs> oh my god how does he do it like yeah. like it it's you know it's snowing in june it's like jesus <laughs> yeah. so it's yeah yeah it snowed a couple feet today but it's all melted but it's all <laughs> melted away it's Wait, like it's, what, it's what do your snakes do but uh yeah, so I, I think uh, – so I'll mention this, right? So mm. over the years, what I've learned is that what I struggle with is that um, when the heat kicks – so when, when I turn the heat off at night, mm. I have – I do have a safety net in my room, right? So my, my um, space heater is hooked up to a thermostat, mm -hmm. and that thermostat is set at 70 degrees. So basically okay. it's going to take that room down to 70 degrees. For the most part, that that does not turn on. You know, like if we get those a couple times a year, we'll get those really cold days where it's like, you know, it's mm -hmm. like two degrees or something like that. You know, and, <laughs> it's one of those, it's one of those you don't want to go to work. Yes. <laughs> yes. The, I don't want to go to work. No one right. wants to do anything. Nobody yeah. wants to do anything. And those are the days where I'll have that on. But what I found is, especially even during the day, right? The mm -hmm. heat becomes dry. Uh and yep. it's very, very dry in the snake room. So I hook up a humidifier during mm -hmm. the winter um and i have it come on for a couple hours a day and then uh, i'll have it come on right before the lights will go off at night mm -hmm. and what i found is is that it really it it feels like a lot like what i felt when i was in australia in in um cans where mm -hmm. it was 70 degrees but it didn't feel the same 70 degrees that it would be in my snake deal. room yeah. in the winter right. time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I felt with that humidity, uh, that humidifier, it's sort of, I, I, I don't know the science behind it or whatever, but it felt more like what I experienced when I was in Australia. So mm -hmm. um, I, I've been thinking about that for like the white lips, the Timors and things like that, where it's like, right. Maybe it's not the temp. Maybe it's more of a humidity thing. Could be, yeah. For species that are so geared in with humidity, and I'll tell you right now, also running a humidifier is a great way to avoid all the rough, crappy winter sheds. Yes, because oh my god, nothing's yes. going to shed right. No, nothing. No, no. And then if you have larger pythons, like I said, that deal with things like humidity, like white lips, timors. Retics, retics, yeah. No, my god, retics, dude. Yeah. The only reason my retic shed appropriately the last time is because I took its bin and just soaked it. Like I just <laughs> soaked it with like the moss was dripping wet, and then I shoved that 10, 11 foot long 
jerk in there. Right. So yeah. Yeah, I think uh I think when it comes to temperatures when you're talking about pythons, I would mm. say that the low end of the spectrum uh in particularly carpet pythons right. and we're talking about jungles, coastal. Yeah, Darwin's, ma the majority uh, of Morelia this is what we're talking degrees, about. Right. Yes. So 70, 70 degrees. degrees where would be where I would shoot at. And it's a gradual right. come down, right? Yes. So and that's sort of why I use a thermostat, right? So I can mm -hmm. control that a lot better, right? So I'll do a couple weeks at 78. I'll do yep. a couple weeks at 76. I'll do yep. a couple weeks at 74. I'll do a couple weeks at 72. And then I'll go to 70 and I'll leave it there. And then I'll do a couple weeks at 72, a couple weeks at 74, a couple mm -hmm. weeks at 76, a couple weeks a, at 78. I have an you know? alarm set in my phone. It says check the temps because, right. well, you're right. Carpets, you can adjust with that. It, it's other species you got to get a fuddle with. And like you said, call your bridge, you just unplug it and walk away. Right. So, <laughs> but Herbstat is the best in my opinion with those kinds of things. Yes. Um, yeah. Because they give you the, uh, they give you the night drop automatically and they give you the ramping where you can tell it how long it's going to take to get to that temperature. Yep. Um, and I used to be like, it's going to take two hours to get to that temperature. Then right. it's going to take three hours. Now it's like, everything will take four hours to get there, but here is the end temperature. So right. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, the, the technology does make things a lot easier so to control, easier. you know? And then, but then I always think I'm getting in my own way with the technology because it's yes. like Dr. No. Ross is like, I bred them in a basement with it in a box. I'm like, I, I, the power went out and we accidentally. And then we accidentally did it. What? <laughs> just Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny how that works. I think that yeah. to me, to me personally, if I was uh, doing breeding and starting as a somebody that wanted to start breeding uh, pythons currently, mm. Like mm. this would be my first one. I would kind of do it without the technology so much so that I could get a better feel for it. And what I mean by that is like I think of things like an ultrasound and and like uh, you know, like all those things. Are great. All the all the fun things I have in my closet, yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're all great, right? But if you if you learn on the ultrasound, you never know what it looks like to see the female you're, and just look at her and visually right. see her, right? You, you know? should you should do it a couple, you should not go and get an ultrasound and all the other things and stuff of like that your first go around or, or the first couple you should learn to see it because how many times have, have you ever been faked out by a female that you thought yes. was gravid and turns out that was the off, off swell many times many yes times. and yes. you hate it every time and now i'm yes. watching for it yeah because right. so you need you need that pain. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think where the ultrasound does come in handy, right, is when you oh, you, you God, got yes. your 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 feet on the on the you got firm footing, right? You got a mm -hmm. good base to start with, mm -hmm. and then you sort of see these cues, and you can sort of like get some scientific data that will <laughs> either say you're wrong or you're right. <laughs> you know, she looks swollen. I'm gonna check. Nope, she's fat. All right, well, <laughs> but and that's for the other things like. Last year, I ultrasounded the Timor in May, and we saw follicles, but they were not very large. Right. And then now he's in, he won't leave her alone now. Like, he's got access to his cage. I redo the water in there. The heat's the same, but he she's in there with her, and they're in the box together. So who's to say that I didn't get them to breed because I was putting him in there 
at the tail end of the season right and they weren't getting in there weren't getting it done and now that he's had access to her in october right who knows right yeah it's it's always uh it's always a wary uh because I did that my first year breeding is I've, I've put them together too early. And yeah. I thought I was on the right track because I saw all the right signs and then I got nothing. I and would I, also I, war like, don't try to overstretch your males. Cause I had one male that had bred two females in one year. Uh-huh. So then the next year I gave him three girls and I didn't get any because I was moving him constantly. Yeah. And, and he just was not in the right K all three girls ovulated. I thought I got them all. And none of them produced eggs. I think when I did more of the morph thing, mm. I probably did ma- m- males too. I think the most I ever did was three. Mm-hmm. Um, That's, I think you should think anything above three is. Yeah, I, I, I can't. <laughs> I mean, you you can probably do it, but I don't know. I mean, I think oh, wow. that's one yeah. of those things where you're like trying to put all your money into a high end morph male and you know, you have these females that might yeah. be head or whatever. And you're trying to, at least that was my thing. Right. So like, right. Yeah. You to have like, the, right. Have an albino jag and then have mm-hmm. like a zebra head albino and a caramel head albino and a tiger head albino. And, and sort of like I can produce all those different types of albino stuff. Uh, Wasn't from, that the, always the thing is that you get the 10 high 32 port rack and there's one male, and then the other nine are his yeah. females, and he just yeah. works his way down. Right. Which you could probably do in some species, but sure. I think well, you're stretching it. Probably, uh, oh yeah, probably, corn snakes. Yeah, yeah, but most well known for that. Um, so yeah, to my recommendation would try to stick with a pair. If you have to do, you can do more. It's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it, but you know, I don't know you, you the first year I would do it, I would, I would stick to a pair and kind of yep. leave them together. Right. So, um, which leads us to that, right? Like putting mm-hmm. introductions, um, basically uh, when you yes. start to see the, uh, the male cruising around like that. Um, yeah, that's when I, I introduce them. I introduce yeah. them at night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a little nerve wracking for me <laughs> because I've had a couple times where, uh, female is still yeah. in, uh, you know, mode of, of, I want to eat and hits yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. So if that happens, domestic disputes happen. Yep. If that happens, um, cold water. Yes. hundred yes. <laughs> percent. Yeah. There have I, been, I, I used to, I used to have a bucket of ice water when I did my Cali Kings. And I mean, dude, Cali breeding, by the end of your, by the time she's done in there, the yeah. California king snake, her her entire neck area is all carved up because that's where he bites her to hold on for breeding. Oh shit! So, oh yeah, oh yeah, they, they're they're not gentle. <laughs> so, um, oh boy, okay. But you, you like if that makes you feel better, do it. Have a yeah. bucket of ice water. Have a bucket of cold water. Um, I will say this: that if it's a bread lie, that bucket of cold water ain't gonna do shit. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, yeah. I've used um, I've used like uh, I've used Listerine. Um, that, that, that has worked. Um, but luckily I have never had, uh, the other snake kill the other snake. Right. So my, my, my injuries, yes, but no killing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and amazingly, if you have reptiles in the right environment and you're keeping them correctly, um, they're pretty resilient to things like 
cuts and wounds, wounds <laughs> and, and yeah. you know, little uh, neosporin will go a long way. I, with, I, uh, and you'd be surprised. Like they're gonna. Here's the thing that's gonna happen: is they're gonna look bad. They're gonna have a scar or scab. They're gonna shed. They're gonna shed off the scab, and there's gonna be a gaping hole where the scab was, and you'd be like, "Oh my god, the snake is going to die!" And then the next shed, that hole gets smaller, and then yeah. smaller, and then small, and then it's gone. Yeah. And the scales might be a little fucked up, but that's it. Yeah. Um. So I always watch, probably mm. for the fr- I I so. I mean, for me, I kind of look at you can. I think you said this already, Owen, but like mm. you can kind of tell within the first couple minutes of introduction on how things are going to go. Yeah. You know? uh, if you see the female sort of, uh, you know, trying to get away, if you see the male trying to get away, pull I it. would pull them, uh, pull them apart. You know, yeah. um, if you see them sort of like, there's always this, like, I always have this nervous, like, they'll kind of <laughs> like, go head to head almost and it's like, like oh god okay oh kind of like look at each other and you're like oh man that's that's right before they strike before they mm-hmm. think it's a rat you know it's like that hesitation of what is this yeah <laughs> like well, wait is that? yeah my um, my other favorite is when the female doesn't realize the male's in there so oh, she's yeah. throwing her body like as he touches her she's like yeah yeah and then um, like eventually that just stops or it, it, it again it's I've had males and the female may not be receptive at the time, but she's not panicking, but I've had males immediately go in there and start spurring the female and then the female just throws them off and then they just kind of, all right, well, that didn't work. And then he'll just hang out in there. That's the, that's a great sign. Right. Yeah. Cause they're in there. She didn't kill him and he didn't try to combat her. So, right. You're off to a good start. You're off to a good start. (laughs) Right. Um, I usually look for, so if I feel that they're okay, I'll let mm-hmm. them go the night, right? Yep. Um, there have been years where, uh, I guess because I'm excited or whatever the case would be, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, come down, just sort of take a peek and see what's <laughs> so going like, on. What are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> Sometimes I would see spurring. Some, yep. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, where are you going? Uh, no, nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I would see, so... For people that don't know, right, pythons have spurs on the back uh, by their uh, uh, cloaca. Cloaca. And uh, basically what the male will do is he'll sort of get up on top and he's sort of like – it's sort of like if you're – like, yeah, it's almost like if if your fingers were, you know, just rocking back and forth and, uh, you know, just on top of the female and that's sort of, I guess, what – I guess that's what gets there's really female no pythons going. I don't I I, I go. I don't know either, but there's no way to really describe it. But you have to when see you've it. seen it, yeah, you're, you're like, like you're like, oh <laughs> yeah. Cause you're sitting there, you're like, he's gonna wiggle his little like spurs on her. That doesn't and then you see it for the first time, and it literally looks like he's using his little tiny legs to walk yeah. up her and he's yeah. just kind of jabbing at her. It's like, oh me and like how both. We we both have our fingers in the shape of an A, shape like a, our, our and index just, finger and our middle <laughs> finger, and they're kind of like walking. Walking, and it's kinda, yeah. Kind of what it looks like. It's just like how every person who's brand new 
will sit there and be like, is this a lock? Is this a lock? Is this a lock? Yeah. Until you see it. And you're like, oh no, that that's a, that's lock. a lock. Like yeah. that's a lock when the tails are completely intertwined. Yep. And I mean, have you ever interrupted your animals by accident? And like, yes. you see the hemi beans like, yes. In and you're like, yeah. oh, oh, that's a lock. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. So, yeah. You, you know, some of the things that I've been faked out by have been, yep. um, you know, if they're together, they're sort of cuddling. I get some people call it like, oh, look, they're cuddling, they're um, which is yeah. this is a good sign. Right. If the yes. two snakes are sort of laying together. Right. That's, that's a good sign. You know, um, that they're that not on means... the opposite ends of the cage. They're not the 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 one isn't taking up the entire hot spot, pushing right. the other one off. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, it's 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 sort of that 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 type of thing where um you know so if I see that I'll be like okay this pair is good mm-hmm. and to be honest with you that's it I kind of leave them together for the rest of the season I do too until um, until yeah. they're until they're on the opposite till they're on the opposite side of the cage right. or until I've had it where he's up against the glass with the, like get me the fuck out of here like right. and then you pull him out right and. I've had it where I pulled them out and I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And then like the next week she lays the eggs and right. I'm like, I guess I was a hundred, like, I, like you marked it down and I'm like, well, she could be due next week, but I don't know. So hundred percent. Yeah. I, uh, I sort of, uh, I sort of, you know, I, I, I've, if, if I was pulling the mail, I guess I, I will say this because I have done this. So so what I've done when I've done the mail to multiple females mm-hmm. is that I would probably let them go two weeks mm-hmm. and pull that mail, separate them for a day, um, you know, make sure the male has fresh water, uh, you know, food, feed him food, maybe yep. if he'll eat. Um and that's the other thing, right? You'll you'll waste some food during the uh, yeah. It, the better the thing to do is always. This is when having monitors or yeah. Or, or, I mean, what, what you should do is um, thaw out one or two rodents, try one or two boys, and then if they don't eat, maybe try a different one. Or you always have those juveniles that are growing up that you can always chuck it to, right. but like, don't don't pull all the males and thaw everything out and expect them all to eat. Plus, also look before you offer. If he's in La La Land, kind of like doing whatever is, don't even offer. If he's cued in and watching you like a hawk, throw him a rat. Right. Um, yeah. So after that, couple, mm-hmm. after a day or two or whatever, I'll put them together. It's it's there's no there's no exact science to it, right? No. If I no. see the mail, so if I put the mail in mm-hmm. and I put him back in his cage, I offer him some some uh, you know. Uh, sometimes I've had them to where they'll shed at that, at that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so if they shed, as soon as they, sh- I'll let them go through the shed cycle. And as soon as they shed, I put back them in back with together. the girl, back in with the female. And then you know 100%. What? You take your shed and you throw it into a different female's cage, right? To piss off the male that she's with. Right. And then that might work there too. <laughs> right. I think, I think, so there's the whole combat thing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think probably if you're a carpet python. So the, the unique thing about to me about carpet pythons is that they have a lot of unique behaviors that you don't really see in a whole lot of other pythons. Right. Right. Well, 
you don't see it the same way and it's not talked about the same way. One to right. me is combat, right? I don't see like people talking about like, oh, my ball pythons are combating. I had or, to combat the ball I, pythons <laughs> to get them to breed. My Woma pythons are combating. It, I mean, like? I'm, they, I think they do, but you I think I think they do. I think Espiritis yeah. does. I think they're also a little bit more violent than yes. um, <laughs> carpet pythons. But but I think carpets never, are like that's a thing with them. Yeah, you know what I mean, um, which I, I mean, I've combated before, but I would say that in my ten years of breeding, I think I've combated twice. Me too. Yeah, yep. and, um, and it was more to intentional check the combat. Yeah, yep. intentional combat was twice. Accidental combat, eh, five. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it was. I think you can get around it just because you can use things like sheds yep. or running the male through the cage. Yep. Um, while the female and the other male aren't in there, and right. then putting them back in there, it doesn't take much for them to think or smell or feel that another male has been here. And be like, oh shit, no. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So we're almost. I think we're gonna have to do a part two of this. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I think because uh, we're. We even I mean, we're almost at, potatoes, and it's already like we're yeah. almost at the two hour mark. And I just Man, feel Jesus. like there's so much more to talk about. As far I'm okay as, with that, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, so basically. So yeah, let's let's leave it at that, right? This we're okay. leaving it. We'll leave we're it leaving at it here. This has this, been the breeding prep show. <laughs> yeah. We fooled you. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's sort of like at this point, you've. Uh, I'm going to say that we've we've gotten all the way up to the point of. So you you've you've cycled your animal. Introductions. Yeah. You cycled the the animal during mm -hmm. the 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 summertime with food, mm -hmm. uh, which is what I do. Um, you know, some people don't do that. You don't have to do that. That's just something that I do. Um, and then as you come into cooling down, uh, and you get into that mindset, you see the males cruising around, uh, everybody's emptied out. They don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about when the temperature's dropping at night, that they have food that's just digesting in their system. And that's why mm -hmm. you do that, by the way. Just that is, you empty it out. Yeah. No, you want, you want the animals emptied out of food. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I don't offer food. The, which is a glorious time in the snake room. <laughs> so much. The freezer gets filled. You yes. can just kind of don't have to worry about shit. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's like the calm before the storm. There's no feeding. There's mm -hmm. no clean. I mean, you got very little clean. And here's the thing, right? A lot of people mm. will like, they're meticulous about cleaning their cages and all, but I got to tell you, man, I let shit get a little dirty. Yeah. I, I let it get a little dirty because I think that like, I, I don't think it's a fluke that like when you clean that cage that that snake takes a shit in the cage because right yeah you know like I'm not leaving big piles of crap in the cage or whatever but like urates and stuff I think yeah. that that gets those juices flowing and the smells and all that stuff you don't right? also you don't want to you don't want to be there and try to clean out the cage especially when they're together because that is when you do interruptions right and. When if you're somebody like me that like the female's hide box becomes the nest box, you don't want to compromise that hide because you want her to feel like that's a safe, good place to put the eggs because then she won't lay them all over the cage. She'll put them in that box. So right. Right. you don't clean the box unless you catch her outside the box. Yes. Then you grab the box, you clean it, put it back. Yeah. Um, Please understand. I'm not saying that you should have mold in your cage. I'm not saying yeah, that no, you should have like you know, piles, piles rat. Of, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not saying that at all, but like, I'm not like 
going crazy scrubbing the cage and 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 you really the, the animals not really afterward. yeah they're they're not yeah. really doing anything because yeah. it's not really they're not really digesting anything at that point right they're sort of no, just you, focused on breeding i normally do a deep cleaning like really clean scrub everything like now now yeah like i, I was doing that a lot yeah. today right and then i'm gonna let it kind of not go i'm gonna clean obviously but not go nuts with like bleach or chemical like whatever the fuck um until after the eggs are laid then right. when she lays you have to clean everything anyway so that she get the smell of the eggs out of everywhere correct that's <laughs> when you do another deep cleaning right, right so 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 yeah so at this point we've sort of we talked about dropping the temperatures down yep. we've talked about uh introductions uh what to look for and then obviously you get to the whole lock thing and like owen said you sort of like are are sort of faked out a couple times by what you think might be a lock and <laughs> then you see a lock and you know what a lock is right? right you you see it you know it there are times where their tails might be underneath something so it's hard to tell i kind of just leave those snakes alone and yeah. here Don't. is the advantage don't I'm rip having, through it going like, are you guys locked? Like, that's yeah. a dumb idea. <laughs> a lot of, so this is where mm. I would say, right? When you're making yeah. a choice of tub versus cage. Yes. Advantage cage. to the breeding yes. is cage. Because yes. you don't have to do, you can just look inside. Look in the cage. <laughs> if you're using a tub, you're pulling it out and you risk the you risk uh, yeah, yeah you risk disturbing them which ultimately could then you know you don't know what kind of impact that's going to have on them is that going to stop them from breeding is that gonna is that gonna stop them from wanting to lock together again is that you know so like it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a tricky thing so i've just yeah. learned to sort of like leave them alone uh you know if i happen to open the the tub or if i'm looking in the cage and they're locked up good um and then I kind of go from there, you know, and yeah. uh, I sort of do that basically through that, that time. Yeah. And then you just keep, keep going. You just let them, you let them do their thing, yeah. you know? Yep. And uh, yeah. And then eventually uh, what we'll get to in the next, uh, the next part, part two, uh, we'll talk about, Warming up in uh, eggs. Ovulation. Yeah. That, what's that? You know, you can be faked out by that. We'll talk about the 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 prelay shed and how much time in between. How, the laying how don't, of the eggs and what can go wrong. <laughs> and also the prelay shed is not the be all to end all. Everybody's like, when did she prelay? I've had females lay without doing it. Correct. Like it is, yeah. I've had them shed twice. Twice, exactly. <laughs> I've had them. I've had them be like, oh, well, here they are at the end of their, they should be due. Then they shed again. And you're like, well, I guess I didn't get it this year. And then they lay eggs when you're not expecting it. And you're like, oh, son of a bitch. Like right. it's, yeah. And then, you know, the funny thing is, it's like, Owen was right when he said mm -hmm. earlier, it's like you get to these stages and you're like, so when you see that first lock, you're like, yes, yes, you have a lot. A lot more, more to work go. to do. <laughs> so much more work to do. Yes. <laughs> and then you is... get to the point where you get ovulation and you're like, yes, yes. still lots still, of work. Still a lot of more work to do. You know, uh, and that and then you finally, after all this shit, you get to see the babies piffing out of the eggs, and you're like, Yes, now the new work has begun. <laughs> yes, <laughs> old work is done. Old work done, new work start. It's like right. God damn it. 
Oh my goodness. It's, it, it's definitely a roller coaster, but I, I can tell you in my opinion, I think one of the greatest joys of keeping reptiles is seeing a new life hatch out of an egg. I mean, it's, it's hard to beat and I yeah. get why everybody wants to do it because it's such a cool experience and it's just, you, 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 we have to do it, I guess, in a responsible way and not yeah. just doing it to just put snakes together. And we'll get into that. We'll get into maternal incubation. We'll get into incubators, egg boxes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, what happens if an egg, what can go wrong with the egg? You know, what's the best way to set up the egg boxes? What egg boxes do you use? Uh, yeah. You know, and then we'll get into setting up babies, what, what it's like for the first month, uh, you know, keeping notes, you picking accidentally- the backs. Uh, what do you do if you accidentally rip the egg? Yeah. You know? Oh, God. Yeah. These are all things that uh, Owen and Avai have done over the past 10 oh, years. Oh, yeah. If, <laughs> if we're telling you what to do, it's because we did it. Right. Like, yeah. What what to have in your emergency baby kit? Did yes. you know you should have cornstarch in your snake room? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did not until Owen yep. told me. I, yeah. Until I needed it and said, you why need don't it, you have cornstarch? I cornstarch. I'm like, damn yeah. it. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Um, For those of you who don't know, cornstarch is a wonderful clotting powder that is not harmful to um, babies, and it's really good for when a baby snake does stuff. We'll get into that. Right. So Um, I also will uh, will circle back. And um, I think what we'll do is as we get to where the babies are sort of getting in the established and you would sell Mm -hmm. them, what would you start to do? with your male and female that you're going to be breeding for the following year. And that's what we're talking about (laughs) about cycle feeding. And I think this will show you how it's an all year year thing. thing. It doesn't stop. It does not stop. There's no season. And then off season, it is a, what are we doing now? Kind of a deal. And, um, it like, you were talking about like the best thing is like seeing a new little life and all that fun stuff. It's like, I'm at the point now where I have, three pairs this year where I raised mom and I raised dad. Like, but that's awesome. That's I raised, I raised them, but then also I raised their parents or like, we're getting to the point now where I'm breeding kids. Your stock that I produced. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's really the ultimate goal, right? I mean, you want to get to the point where you're sort of breeding your own animals. And I can tell you that, from experience that the best breeders you're going to have are the ones you raise, the ones you raise and produce. They're, yeah. they're going to be hands down the best. They're, they're, there's they, no doubt about they, it. They've been born and raised in your system and right. they will be the, they will be the fastest ones to breed. Yep. Um, they will be the first like, and it'll just be perfect. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So yeah, stay tuned for part two. Uh, Wow. I, can't, I can't believe it went this long. We're usually not this long, but well, I, we went on several we have a tangents. Lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah, and apparently we we haven't talked all week and all that other fun stuff. So it was yeah. one of those. Yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna re. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there a couple of times. Remember, yeah. hashtag NPR 2022 breeding season. So mm-hmm. uh, if you want to, you know, share you your stuff and whatnot, put it out there, and and yeah, we're we're we're, we're excited to see it and uh we'll share our stuff there and yeah, yeah. We'll, it'll be awesome we'll all get to uh to see what's what each other has going on 
Hey, we um, like talking snakes. Show us pictures. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so as far as us, uh, website, MariahPythonRadio.com. Um, yep. and, and I am working. I, I did show these guys um, and probably, uh, hopefully over our break, I can get it together. But I'm oh my sort God, of, that's right. That's coming. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to uh, sort of put this on the NPR um, website, right? Mm. I'm going to put mm -hmm. like the breeding carpet pythons type of thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so you can refer to it because I got to tell you, man, when I was coming in the carpet pythons, I can't tell you how many times I went to Caponetto's site to look at <laughs> and his, read his thing, thing breeding his paper, carpet like, pythons. There was – um. Well, I, I have all the reptiles magazines back here. And when right. I was redoing the um when I was redoing the the office today, I went through and I pulled out all the ones that have to do with Morelia and stuff like that. So like there's the diamond python issue over there. Right. And then there's cover girls issues right over there and all that other stuff. And then the Bavarium that talked about tiger carpets is over there. So I pulled all the good things for Morelia and I put it over here in this corner. But I was just thinking about it that I learned my breeding from reading an article that Will Leary did. Yeah. For I think it was for reptiles yes. on breeding. Yeah. And yeah. I and I read that constantly. Yeah. So yeah, well, uh having the book like Pythons and Boas, uh Reproduction and Husbandry by uh Richard Ross. Uh, the complete carpet python is helpful. It's helpful, very um, helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I just listening got, I got to old NPR. episodes of NPR. I mean, Very we've helpful. been here for a while. We yeah. both produce carpets. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like it's, yeah. 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 Some of us have produced other stuff. I mean, yeah. yeah, 100%. I mean, you've done carpets and what was the, you bred something else, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I've only bred carpets. Not even way back when? Like you didn't do like berms or some shit? Oh well, no, that's not true. Uh, I bred Indian pythons. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't when you I, wish you did those still? Yeah, when um, <laughs> when I kept pythons with my dad. Yeah, uh, um, he had a pair of Indian pythons. Jesus Christ! And uh, yeah, I I don't. He got them from. Uh, I don't know some pet shop. I don't know. Your your dad showed up on a corner and some dude opened up his trunk and gave him to adult it Indian was like python. A, it was like yeah. a secret knock you had to do on yeah. his door, and they're like, <laughs> "Come on in." <laughs> like <laughs> the password. <laughs> don't eat the yellow snow. No, all right, <laughs> close yeah. it and then yeah. let him in. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, next thing you know, we have Indian pythons. So uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. So I've read those, and I did, I did. Um, I did breed, yeah, I did breed berms at one point. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I have bred other ones, so. But. Uh, I've I've bred more lizards than you, too. You have, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I don't know. I, I mean, it would be cool if I breed lizards, but that's not really my, I'm, my listen, thing. Listen, if them. Owen, Lord of the Kimberly, lays eggs, we're going to have to talk about a couple things, okay? Yeah. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. You're yeah. going to have Kimberly rock monitors in your uh, living no, room. No, for no, sure. no, 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 <laughs> no. Melissa, somebody from Melissa's job is like, hey, do you want this really big, nice green cage? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, what are we going to put in it? She's like, I don't know, lizards or something. I'm like, no, no, God damn it. <laughs> like, it's, uh, Dude, I, I'm telling you. No. You're going to see no. them and you're going to be like, oh. 
<laughs> no, no, I'm not looking at my shelf. Listen, there's a shelf thing right up here that Look, I could so easily put this glass tank thing right there for Kim's. Like I know they're, they're no, going to live. We're not they live it. with the roughies. You can have your like little Kimberly, Kimberly, my Kimberly Australia. <laughs> yeah. There you go. No. Uh, nope. Um, I'm waiting uh. for. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting for a few people to send the uh, pictures for the calendar contest, but that's coming together, so uh, yep. that should be soon. Get that going. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at uh, MoreliaPythonRadio at Gmail. Or, uh, Gmail. Info, Info at, at MoreliaPythonRadio. Oh, my Radio. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't send it to the yeah, email. Don't that's, send them to that email address. That's, yeah. that, forget that email address exists. <laughs> yeah, Info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Uh, you can follow us on uh, all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and of course i would i would ask you to go and subscribe to our npr network youtube channel uh, yeah. i i know lucas has been real busy i'm super sick i'm still sick man this covid shit is killing what is me. wrong with you man it's like it's I, I gotta brutal. come see i gotta come see you tuesday i'm gonna knock on your door leave the box there and then run well i don't have covid anymore but i have like the long-term covid shit and Effects. today was yeah, the yeah, first yeah. time i felt good up until it was time to do the show. And then I was like, ah. It's like I have a timer that only lasts for a certain amount of time. So, uh, yeah, and I'm going to make sure that we do a shout-out again to the uh, to that Reptile Fight Club. And I would also give a shout-out to our uh, other fellow uh, uh, people on the network. Um, in particular, uh, Jason and Luke did a pretty cool, cool episode on Strafurus gecko. So I know some people are out there kind of like uh, into uh, uh, the lizards now and stuff. Uh, so uh, if you want to hear that right from the guys from Australia, go check that out. Um, yeah. There you go. And our Teespring store and the Patreon. Uh, so we got that if you want to check it out. But all that stuff's over on our website, MariaPathonRadio.com. Uh, cool. That's all I got. All right. We'll say, well, um, you can go for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com, check all that stuff out. And then this weekend on Saturday is the Oaks Reptile Show. I will not be vending, but I will be going. So if you want to have any animals delivered, let me know now. Um, because that might be the only way you're going to get animals till after New Year's. So what we'll say is thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch everybody next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.